him, and he had a, a, just a really strong word for us, a motivation word for us to just be all in, right? To be all in, to find your purpose in life and your, to be living life on purpose, right? Your mission that God has for you. And, uh, and so we're just leaning into that, and that's what we desire, is we know that we have a God who loves us, who's rescued us and redeemed us, but he hasn't just done that and said, now just hang out there on earth for a while with all these problems and all this trouble until someday you die, then, I'll, then we'll really have fun. He said, no, let's start the fun right now. I'm going to fill you up, and I'm going to launch you into this world, and i got a plan and a purpose for your life, and we're going to have some fun seeing people's lives changed for my glory, right? For my glory, for God's glory. And that's the kind of journey God has for you. Wherever you are, whatever age you are, wherever geographical location you are, you see, wherever God has placed you, there are assignments from heaven that God wants to give you that will bless you and will change people around you. Isn't that exciting? So we can't do that, though, unless we get filled up with His Spirit. So we're going to start a series today uh, on the Spirit. But before I get into that, um, last week we were able to give Pastor Benu $3,000 as a church. Uh, to send him on his way. I wanted to give that report back to you just so, because we're all in this together. And he mentioned some needs that he has, and he's praying for a new Jeep. And so I just want you to pray about uh, the possibility of giving towards, if you feel like God wants you to give towards that project, I think that'd be a great thing for us to kind of rally around and try to raise some money for a new Jeep for his ministry. And you're like, why does he need a, a new Jeep? I would like a new Jeep. You know, how many of you would like a new Jeep? Yeah. All right. Well, um, in their area in Calcutta, they have so many things going on that oftentimes what they're doing is they're hiring drivers and hiring vehicles, and they're trying to get people all over the place. They feed over 500 children every single day in the slums of Calcutta. Every day they, see, they feed 500 kids, and uh, they have a ministry called the Freedom Center, which uh, they are rescuing people out of the slums, and there's over 5,000 slums in Calcutta alone, uh, and you're like, 5,000, that's, that's like 5,000 settlements of people who are living in the slums, that's just the number of places that they're at, not the number of people, there are millions, I think there's 20 some million people uh, in Calcutta area, and so what they're trying to do is trying to rescue people out of the slum areas, and they're trying to then give them some training, some basic education, these people don't have education, uh, they don't have any means, you know, to do that, and they teach them skills, and then they get them connected to a job. It's pretty awesome. Anyway, he's got a church of over 200 people, um, and they have um, multiple ministries going on all the time, so the Jeep would be very helpful for them to kind of be able to get around and help get all this stuff done. So I think it would be an awesome thing for us to get behind. So pray about that, and see if you want to help out. I think we need $13,000 to get him a new Jeep, okay? We already did 3000 so 10 to go if we want to take that on. All right? I think that'd be pretty awesome. When you get to heaven, you're going to have a bunch of Indians running up to you and giving you a big old squeeze. It's going to happen, I'm telling you. I've been saying this for years because we have supported the Christ for India and Benu told me uh, last weekend, just last year, through the, through the money that we have supported them, they were able to plant 25 new churches just last year from our support. That is amazing. Amazing. You know, in Calcutta, when I was there in India, and we're going to go to India in February of 2021. We're going to do a trip. And I'm going to go. I'm, I'm trying to get a pastor friend of mine to go. And we're going to do a big uh, pastor's conference. We want to do 250 to 300 pastors and encourage them. And when I say a pastor's conference, they're not people like me. They're people like 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds that just got radically saved and have surrendered their life to the gospel and don't, don't know anything except God's spirit has filled them and, and God has motivated them to share that love and to reach their nation for, for him. So we would go and, and just pour truth and training and encouragement and ministry and, and fire these guys up because these guys are on the front lines uh, in a very... Uh, Difficult environment, a, a Hindu environment where there is a lot of persecution. And so we want to encourage him. But along with that team, we're going to take a couple of us as well and just love on his church and do the Freedom Center and teach some people some skills and hopefully get them connected to a job and change their life forever. 
So all of that to say, I don't even know where I was going with all that. Where was I going with that? Well, anyway, let's be praying for him. Oh, when I was there, just outside the main areas, the main cities, uh, we were uh, in a village just maybe, you know, 50 miles or so outside of the main city. And uh, then you run into the villages. And these are the people, what, what I was told was most of the people in these, in these villages, uh, they are born and they die within a 10-mile radius. That's it. That's all they know. They know nothing. I told a joke about cars, and nobody laughed because they don't have cars. And Benu's behind me laughing his head off because I told him I was going to tell this joke, and that just totally bombed, you know, trying to warm myself up to the, this crowd. And they just looked at me like, what are you talking about? Because we are in, in, in that villa, we are, we are in villages where people had never heard the name of Jesus before. Can you believe that? It's still happening today. There's people that haven't heard of Jesus. That's why we're still here, because we still have a commission to reach people. And so, um, anyway, my heart is, is to help those guys as much as we can, because they are on the front lines, and lives are being changed because of you and your giving and this church. Isn't that awesome? Man, I'll tell you what, it's pretty cool. All right. Also, I have some cool family business announcement, uh, one really big announcement to make that we're really excited about. The church, uh, the elders have been praying and, and discussing, and uh, we decided that we are going to be looking for a full-time children's ministry uh, person to help our church and build our children's ministry up, and they'll have some other responsibilities, but we are excited about moving forward and just building even more of what God has been doing in our church. Uh, if you are interested or you know someone interested, we're going to start this process. And right now you can get that information right there at logf.org uh, backslash or whatever that is. Apply. And um, we're believing for God to bring and uh, raise up the right person uh, to help launch our church into all that he has for us to do. As I've been spending time uh, in prayer and with the elders and with the leaders lately over the last couple of months, in my spirit, this is just, just me sensing, and, and others, I believe, are confirming that in their spirit, that God is setting us up for something of great importance and great impact. And for some reason, he is bringing some, some key people. He's putting some strong passion in our hearts, and he's showing us the needs of the structure that we need in order to handle what he is going to do in people's lives here. This is going to be really awesome. So I hope you're ready for a great ride as we look to reach as many people as possible, strengthen as many marriages as we can, reach as many children as we can and young people, as we can reach out to not just this community, but a region, the communities around us. Because there's, did you know there's like 75,000 people within 10 miles of our front door? 75,000 people within 10 miles of our front door. And uh, not too many of them are attending a church every week. Okay, I would say probably, you know, around 30 or 40 percent of them. So there's a whole lot of people right now that need the touch of God in their lives. They need to be touched. They need to be reached for him. And God has called us to do our part in that. You with me? You excited? So we are going to learn how to do that. Now, we're going to transition into uh, the message today. And the message is, a spirit, or the series is a spirit-filled life. And that's what we need to have. And my message title is, Salvation is Just the Beginning, Not the End. When I was really little, when I first thought, uh, heard about Jesus and I got saved, I thought, now I'm all set. You know, I'm just six years old. I don't know. And now my sins are forgiven. I'm saved. I'm not going to go to hell. I'm going to go to heaven. And there was this big kind of like, not, not, not really, but six years old, you don't, you don't think about a whole lot, you know. But I remember there's just this big concept, this big idea of like, okay, now what? Now what? And, and I want to tell you that, and you should know that if you've been here at any length of time at all, that salvation is just the beginning. That's not the end. And now God wants you to be filled with his spirit because he has a love for the people around you, and he wants to get that love to them through you. This is why you're here. This is why you're still here. Otherwise, God would have just vaporized us when we got saved, right? But God has chosen, this is a crazy thought, he has chosen to need you. He doesn't need you, but he has chosen to need you. 
He has chosen to reach this world through the body of Christ, people, you and me, people who walk with a sin limp, you know, we have a story, we have some scars, we're not perfect, and yet he has decided to fill us with his spirit and to work through us and through our weaknesses, through our struggles, to love other people and reveal his love and his grace in spite of our imperfections. Isn't that crazy? And so God has chosen to need us. And he has, as the Bible says, great works for you to do that he established as soon as you became a Christ follower. In Christ, you have a purpose and a meaning, and it's awesome. And so it's, it's about being filled with the Spirit. So I'm going to talk about for a while, what is a Spirit-filled life? Are you living a Spirit-filled life? I think of a balloon. Think of a balloon that's not blown up. A balloon that's not blown up has no purpose. <laughs> I mean, what do you do with a balloon that's not blown up? You can't even shoot it like a rubber band. It just snaps you. It hurts. I've tried that before. Ever tried that? You know, you can't, you can't do it. It's not, that's not what it's for. It's meant to be blown up. It's meant to be filled, right? You are meant to be filled with the Spirit of God, the breath of God. We were singing this song today. Uh, what, dry bones uh, come alive. Come alive and then the, uh, breathe on us, O breath of God. Breathe on us, O breath of God. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God, the Hebrew word for the Spirit, is ruach. And that is breath, wind, spirit. The breath of God, the wind of God, is the Spirit of God. And when that song we were singing is talking about a Bible story, it's a, a vision that I think Ezekiel had. And he saw this valley of dry bones, remember that? And uh, the Lord told him, prophesy to those bones. Speak to those bones. Tell those bones to live. And so he started prophesying and speaking to those bones to come alive. And then it says, and then God breathed into these bones. Now he come, all the bones started assembling, you know, connecting, making bodies. And then it started being covered with all the other connective tissues. And now we got a bunch of lifeless bodies now. But they weren't alive yet. They weren't alive yet until the breath of God came into them and they came alive and a muddy army stood up, right? And you and me, we need the breath of God, the Spirit of God blowing into our lives. And, uh, and the breath of God in us then comes out of us and it brings life to those around us. Isn't that awesome? So the Bible says, be filled with his spirit. Don't be filled with, like, an example. Don't be filled with wine and just get drunk and, you know, just be all about yourself. Be filled with the spirit. And when you're filled with the breath of God, you have the passion of God, the fire of God, the laser-focused conviction of God, and you see the needs of those around you, and you can't help but want to meet those needs and heal those hurts and, and the thing is, you can't do it, but the breath of God in you can do it. The Spirit of God in you can do that. And that's what you're made to do. Come on, let's get fired up. So let me see, what do I got in my notes here? Memory verse, John 14, 12. Let's read this together. Very truly, Jesus is talking. Let's read it together. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater than these, things than these, sorry, because I am going to the Father. Okay, keep that up there for a second. Whoever believes in me, all right? We got any whoever's in here? Whoever believers? Whoever believes in me. This is Jesus talking. So if you raise your hand, if you're a believer in Jesus, he says you will do the same works that I have been doing. And together, I believe this greater is not, I mean, what's greater than raising someone from the dead? Or, you know, re restoring sight to the blind? Or raising a cripple from 30 plus years off of his feet? I, I don't know what's greater than those things except a soul being saved. That's greater. That's great. That's the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is the miracle of salvation. Okay, now, and maybe that's part of what Jesus is talking about. But maybe the other idea of the greater is more. Because I'm going to the Father, and he's implying that what's going to happen to us? We will be filled 
with his spirit. And we will all be doing the same things that Jesus was doing while he was here. So you are whoever believes. You are whoever believers. And God wants to do the same things in you and through you that he was doing, Jesus was doing, while here on the earth. So let's think about that this week. Let's think about that and meditate on that and and memorize this verse, John 14, 12. And just maybe when you're thinking about this verse this week, just maybe you might bump into somebody that has a need or has a hurt. And, And maybe you'll just remember this verse or the Holy Spirit will like give you a little elbow and say, that's one of the people that I want to love, that I want to heal, that I want to help out. Come on, let me out, let me out. Touch him, say something, pray for him. And maybe, just maybe, you'll start doing the same things that Jesus was doing. This week, this week. That's how revival breaks out. When we actually start believing the word and we start acting it out in faith with God's spirit in us. Come on, we need some fresh fire, fresh passion, fresh faith. Do we believe this stuff or not? Let's start doing it. Let's start seeing God move in us and through us. It's an exciting journey. Now, I want to speak with you today about this idea of salvation is just the beginning. So I want to, I want to kind of start with Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And, uh, and what happened in Acts chapter 2 uh, was that in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the Holy Spirit showed up on the earth and filled mankind for the first time. Now, the Holy Spirit had been involved in the earth, you know, way back in Abraham's day, Moses, all those guys. But he never filled to stay, never came to stay in a human being until this moment, other than Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit comes and he fills this room. People are filled with the Holy Spirit. There's hundred. The Bible says there's 120 believers together in this room. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. There was a big ruckus. We believe this room was in the temple court area because all the people who were around heard this commotion. What's going on? Have you ever been somewhere where there's a commotion and there's an energy and everyone starts to, what's happening? What's going on? What's, what's going on over there? And everyone starts to come around to see what's going on. We know there's a big, big crowd, so we believe it was in the temple area, because it says after Peter preached and told them what was happening, that God just poured out his spirit upon us. And what you're seeing, you're not seeing men who are drunk on wine. You're seeing men who are, are experiencing the fulfillment of the word of God that said God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. Men and women, young people would experience this infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that's what you are seeing right now before your eyes. And of course it was during a major festival where the, the population of Jerusalem would swell because people would come from all over uh, the nation and from other neighboring nations because it was one of the three feasts every year that every Jew was expected to come back to the Holy Land and celebrate together. This is when the temple was still there. It was an obligation of every Jew to come three times a year to the temple. This was one of them. So you have Jews from all different nations that have traveled back to the Holy Land. Jesus himself spent most of his time up in the north, and he, every year, would come down from Capernaum and the Sea of Galilee. He'd come down to Jerusalem for these festivals. Every Jew did it. So there's a million Jews. There's a, I mean, I don't know how many there are. There's just a ton of Jews, probably. And so Peter preaches this message. And that day, 3,000 people who heard the message accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, placed their faith in him, and was filled with the same Holy Spirit. So we know this was a crowd. How many of you think 3,000 converts is a crowd? Yeah, and he didn't have a PA system. He didn't have a worship team to help, you know, set the tone, it was the Spirit of God just showed up. And people are like, what is going on? And Peter, by the Spirit, gives the first recorded sermon in the New Testament of the apostles. And he finishes it by saying this right here, Acts chapter 2. They said, what do we do? The crowd. What do we do with this information? What is our response? What do we, our hearts are burning with what you're saying. We see what you're saying. What do we do? And Peter said this, this is what you do. You repent and you're baptized in every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins 
And then he said this, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so salvation in America. You know, fast forward, you know, almost 2,000 years. And salvation in America looks, I mean, it, the message sometimes looks a little different, doesn't it? It, it looks like, hey, um, repeat this prayer after me. And that's, that's fine. Uh, and then maybe uh, sometime this year uh, get baptized and then maybe sometime, you know, in your journey to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But do you realize that this was all done all at the same time with 3,000 people? And, uh, and people were saved, they repented, they were baptized, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the church blew up. Blew up. Think about that. It was a totally different thing than what we do. We have kind of like a la carte Christianity here in America. Do you know what I mean? We just kind of pick and choose what we want, what we're comfortable with, when we're ready for it. But that, that's, that's, really not, that's really not what's happening here. So let me just try to strip all that other stuff away. Let's just go back to the very basics. What is this saying all about? So when Peter uh, says repent, repent is this. It means change your mind. Stop believing what you believe and agree with God. And, and really, if you boil it all the way down, it's to declare and understand and, and decide of your own mind and your will this one thing, this one truth, that Jesus is Lord and I'm not. That's what repentance really means. Jesus is Lord, God is right, and, and I'm not. And whatever God says goes now for my life. This is the basic, most boil salvation down to the bottom line. You have to come to the conclusion that you no longer are going to hold on to control of your life, your opinions, your rights, you know, what you believe, what you think. All of that stuff is ego, and you have to make a decision. Either God is God or you are. And repentance means change your mind. You're not God. You can't save yourself. You're not the smartest one here. You were made by God. You didn't make yourself. And your life is in the hands of God. Repent. Change your mind. Stop trying to be the boss of yourself. You're not. You were created by God. And Jesus is Lord. And if you don't agree with God, it's not going to go good for you in the end. Because in the end, you will still have to confess that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, oh, rats, Jesus is Lord. Oh! Everybody's going to confess it. And, and you need to decide that Jesus is Lord today. He is Lord of your life, and the blessings of God and the mercy of God will come into your life. And you will be set free. You will be transformed. Praise God. So repent. That's what repent means. It doesn't say, hey, um, stop trying to stop being, you know, uh, do what you're doing and try to be a better person. You know, hey, guys, um, you know, stop, uh, you know, sleeping in on Sundays and I'll see you at the temple next, you know, next week. Every, you know, it's not about behaviors. It's not about you know, the rituals. It's not about you better do this and not do that. That comes with the declaration of your heart and the surrender of your will to Jesus as Lord. I am trusting in Jesus. I'm going to throw my life into his hands. All that stuff comes into alignment as you declare and as you live out your faith that Jesus is your Lord. You hear what I'm saying? Repent. Be baptized. Okay, so be baptized in this situation definitely was a water baptism. But in the scriptures, we see three different baptisms. And I want to teach you those three very quickly, okay? The first baptism happens, and it's not with water, and, and it's not even noticeable, really. But here's what the scriptures say. We are baptized into the body of Christ. Everybody say, into the body of Christ. So what that means is when you are saved, you are put into fully immersed is what baptism means, to be fully immersed. You are fully immersed into the family of God. There are no orphans in God's family. There's no loners in God's family. Every one of us, as soon as you declared with your heart, Jesus is Lord, God, I give my, my life to you. 
I see it. I repent. I, I receive you. As soon as you'd made that declaration, the Bible says you were baptized or immersed into the family of God. Okay, uh, here's, here's a couple of verses for you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Okay, uh, Ephesians 1, 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You were included in Christ... When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in that message, you were marked in him, in Christ, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now, this idea, I've spoken about this very recently, within the last few weeks, that concept of being marked by God is you have been stamped with his name. He literally said at that moment when you said, I believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I surrender to you. I place my faith in you. At that second, the holy stamp of heaven came down. Boom! Mine! Mine! We had a cross-country meet Saturday morning. And, uh, you know, this was, this was a, a busy week for Matros and New Lothrop. And, you know, we had homecoming. And so we had a homecoming dance last night. And so a lot of my girls, they, as soon as they got done running... We were up in Midland. They wanted to get home because they needed six hours to get ready for this dance. <laughs> no kidding. The hair, the man, all the dress, all that stuff. So, so my, my girls are all like, I get, you know, guys are still running, and girls are like gone. They're gone. So one of our girls got a medal, so I said, yeah, I'll get it for you. So I got the medal, and we're playing around. I got the medal, and I put it around my neck. I bite on it, you know, and I had, hey, take a picture of me with her medal, you know. So I'm going to tease her with this medal. I'm like, like this, and so we sent it to her on whatever, Instagram or something, and she texted back, mine! <laughs> She's like, it's mine. She still doesn't have it yet, but uh, she'll get it. And that's what God says. The moment that you... Declare your faith in Christ as Lord. Listen, you are stamped. You are sealed. You are marked. Mine. God says, that's mine. It's my daughter. It's my son. Hands off. They belong to me. And I don't know where you stand on the whole idea of, you know, eternal security. But if you, in your heart of hearts, have surrendered your life to Christ and you are depending on him as your Lord and Savior, you are in the grip of God and nobody can take you out of his hand. That's what I believe. 100%. No question in my mind. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you won't make mistakes or have, you know, hiccups along the way. But you belong to God. He marked you. He branded you permanently. Permanent marker. You belong to him. Isn't that reassuring? That God is with you and he's for you. Doesn't all of scripture uh, uh, lead us to that conclusion? That if God, who, who can separate you from the love of God? Doesn't all of Scripture tell us that God has come to rescue us, that He's a loving God, that He wants you, He made you to be with Him forever? All of Scripture is pointing to that kind of conclusion, that you're in the hands of God. Isn't that awesome? You belong to Him. Okay, so that's called baptism into the body of Christ. You don't know it's happening necessarily. There's no ritual. There's no uh, anything that we do uh, ceremonially to recognize that. It just happens. Happens in the heavenlies. You're marked with the Holy Spirit of God. You belong to God. But now we have a couple other baptisms. Another baptism is water baptism. Okay? And water baptism, very, very quickly, is about being baptized into the identity of Christ. So we're, we're baptized into the body of Christ. We have a family. But we're also, through water baptism, it represents we are baptized into the identity of Christ. Uh, in other words, we are going under this water and we are dying to the old man, the old woman, the sin nature. We're dying to that old ego-infested life, that self-centered, uh, twisted, depraved life that we inherited from our ancient ancestor, Adam and Eve. And we're coming up, the Bible says, a brand new person, cleansed of the past, set free from that sin nature, and we have a new identity in Christ. The old is what? Gone. And the new has come. All right? We are no longer that person anymore. We have a new identity. And therefore, if you read all of Paul's writings especially, he's constantly trying to tell us who we are in Christ. In Christ, you're forgiven. In Christ, you're victorious. In Christ, you're more than a conqueror. In Christ, you are sitting next to him in the heavenly realm, 
far above all powers, principalities, and rulers on this earth. No name is above the name of Jesus, and he's seated at the right hand of God. And guess what? You're seated in the double chair with him. I was over in uh, summer over, summer over there the other day. Dri- oh, yeah, yesterday, driving out to the uh, golf course uh, in Frankenmuth. What's it? Um, Timbers. And I was on a side road, and there's some guy that's selling chairs, and he's got this giant chair. You ever seen one of those giant chairs? <laughs> he's got that big old giant chair, and I've seen one at the, the Comerica Park this last year. And uh, that's the chair in heaven. Because it says we're seated with him. So we're like Jesus is seated, seated at the right hand of God. And Paul says, you're seated with him. So it's got to be a pretty big chair. Isn't that cool? Sitting in that big old chair, lemonade, whatever your favorite, you know. Above all powers, all principalities, all rulers, okay, in the heavenly realms. That's you now. You may not feel like it. But that, that is who you are. You have a new identity in Christ. Everything that is Christ is now you. Paul said, it is no longer I. It's no longer Paul. It's no longer ego who lives. But Christ who lives in me. And the life that I'm living, I'm living through him. Him. Do you see what I'm saying? This is the rest of your life you'll be discovering more and more about your true identity in Christ. For the rest of your life, you'll be seeing more and more and more and more of who you are in Christ. All right, that's water baptism. Now, just as a side note, let me read this here. Romans 6, uh, verses 3 to 4. Paul is saying, hey, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We died. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too are being raised from the dead, a new creation, that we may live a new life in him. That we may live a new life, okay? That is what happens. That's the symbolism of water baptism. And if you haven't been water baptized, I want to give you an invitation November 17th. We're going to have a water baptism class, and November 24th, we're going to do water baptisms here on a Sunday morning, both services. You can sign up, uh, go on our website, I'm sure, and, and figure that out, and sign up. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All right? Now, some people ask me, well, I don't know, I was baptized a long time ago, uh, I was sprinkled, or I was baptized when I was a baby, or I was really young. You know, should I do it again? And I would say, if it's in your heart, yes, do it. Do it. If you want to have a deeper understanding of what's going on now, and you're all in, and you just want to make that clear in your conscience and your heart, then get baptized. Let's go for it. We go all the way under here. Okay? We've got a baptism tank right over here. And we go all the way under. If we miss, we try again. <laughs> I don't know how many baptisms I've done. You know, I'm sure I've done over a hundred, and I think about one or two times, the person didn't quite go all the way under. So I'm like, it was you? Did we do you twice? <laughs> it was Robin. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Let's do that again. Boom. Yeah. Got to get it all, right? Got to get it all. Get it all. So um, if you're interested, there's some information in your, in your bulletin, right? There's this card right here. Check that out. And we'd love to uh, celebrate that decision in your life, okay? The third baptism, all right? So we have this idea of being baptized into the body of Christ. We have now water baptism, among other things, primarily means we're being baptized into the identity of Christ. So we have a family, we have a new identity, but then there's another baptism. And that's what we're talking about here. The baptism of the Spirit, or the filling of the Spirit of God. That's, that's to be immersed in the body, immersed into a new identity, into Christ, and immersed into the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God. And this is where, for whatever reason, there's a whole lot of uh, misunderstanding in the body of Christ. But this is the power of Christ. We see this very clearly in Jesus' teachings. He was telling his disciples and his believers, he said, do not leave Jerusalem 
until you receive what my Father has promised. And he had taught his disciples, the, the Father is going to send his Spirit upon you. And, he, and when he does, you will be filled with power. Don't leave without the power. It's pointless without the power. You will not be able to do what you are called to do without the power. Don't leave until you receive the power. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is about the power to not just live a new life, but to be a witness of the risen, resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. To be his witness to do the same works that he did. The power of Christ. Okay? So you, how many of you are glad for the family of God that you've been grafted into? Right? The family of God right here. The love, the provision, the support, the encouragement, the ability to share what you've learned and to help other people and to be helped and supported and encouraged. And also that we have been uh, you know, baptized into a new Christ, a new identity, right? That God, that's no longer me anymore. All those labels have fallen off. Those stickers don't stick anymore. I'm a new creation. How many of you are thankful for that? You're not a loser. You're not a failure. You're not a nobody anymore. You're not under it anymore. You're above it. Okay, you have a brand new identity, brand new identity. You can be free. You can be full. You can have joy. And, and so that's who we are. And, but also power, power. God has equipped us to be contained with his power. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So we're going to talk about this more next week. But I, I was studying this. I, I read this verse, and I'm sure someone else has already preach this and saw this. I just never have. I've just never seen this before. I thought it was really cool. I want to share it with you. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 to 20. It just Something just new hit me this week. And um, Jesus is giving us something that the church refers to as the Great Commission. Okay, what's the Great Commission? Anybody? Yeah, to go out and preach the gospel to all the nations, right? Like he's saying. And so it's the evangelism of the church that we have a purpose, and it is the great commission. You have been commissioned to go, not just to stay. It's not just about you anymore. It's about God in you and through you. Whatever happened to bring you to Christ needs to happen for the other people around you that don't know him. I know people are praying for me. I know people invited our family to church. There were people that knew God that reached out to us to help us know God. That's how it works. And that's what God wants to do in you and through you. So this is the Great Commission. Now, while Jesus is saying this, check this out. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and now he's commissioning them. I've got all the authority, and now I am releasing that authority to you to go in my name and do this. Okay? What? What, Jesus? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, okay, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So when Jesus is talking about in the name of, and he says, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in this context, this phrase, in the name of, really in Hebrew, it's about the essence and the character and the nature of that person. That's how they used to name people. They would name people according to who they were. And when, when Jesus is saying, in my name, and we sang a song, there's no greater name than the name of Jesus, which means, by the way, the Lord saves. And if you're seconds away from crashing into a tree or something, you should yell, Jesus, and just declare, the Lord saves. And maybe God will just save you. If you only have time for one word, I would say Jesus. That's what I would say. Jesus. So you're either saying, you know, hello to him. Or you're saying, thank you for giving me another day to live. But Jesus is the most powerful name. It's the essence of who he is. It's not the name, just like the words or the letters. It's who he is. Who is he? He saves. He redeems. He restores. Who's the Father? Because now you're being baptized, Jesus said, you're going to baptize him in the essence, in the nature, in the character of the Father. And the Father 
is the family guy. You see where I'm going with this? So you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the family of God. In the name of the Father, you got a dad. You're in a family. Now you are belonging to a family. This is pretty cool. The son, what's the son? What's the nature of the son? To save and to redeem. And you've been baptized with water into the son, into his new identity. You are now in Christ and in the name of the Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit all about? Power. So I, I think that this whole commission sentence here fits those three baptisms that I just outlined for you. In the name and the essence and the character of the Father is that you belong to a family. The essence of the Son is that you were made to be like Him, a new identity. And the essence of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is power. You were meant to be able to live in a powerful way, a brand new life. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, so that's what Jesus said to do. And so um, I've got a bunch of threes here. I just gave you three different baptisms, but we were working on a list of three things about salvation, which is repent, be baptized, and be filled, or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is what Peter said to the crowd. This is what you need to do. Repent, be baptized, and you also will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which you now see that we have received. And so I want to take and turn for a few minutes on this idea of the Spirit because there's a lot of misunderstandings in the Christian world about this whole concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit. A couple weeks ago I asked how many of you have been from a different church background and we just had hands all over the place. So we're, we're a non-denominational church. I, so because we're a non-denominational church, um, we have people from all kinds of different church backgrounds. If, if I declared us to be a Methodist church or a Baptist church or whatever, then what we would do is normally attract most people with the knowledge of what that normally looks like and means, and they would come to that denomination because that's what they grew up in and that's what they're used to. But what about a church that doesn't have a denomination? Well, guess what? Everybody comes. Pretty cool. But when we have all kinds of different backgrounds coming together, we do have some different ideas that we grew up with. I want to take time in this series as a pastor to clearly lay out for you what we believe is true about the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't believe it, or if you have some different teaching that you're thinking about, then it will limit what God can do in your life. Okay? So we have many people here from different church backgrounds, don't we? We have many uh, Catholics, a uh, Catholic background. Any, anybody from Catholic background? Yeah, see uh, a good number. Uh, Methodist, anybody from Methodist background? How about a Baptist background? Okay, and I don't, I don't know, Lutheran? I don't know. Oh, got some Lutherans here. You know? Okay, so, I mean, I, we could go on and on and on. I'm not trying to make any, I'm not trying to point fingers at any denomination. What I'm trying to do is I'm going to bring us together. This is what the scriptures tell us. I'm asking for you, if you are from a different denomination that has been critical of the Holy Spirit, I'm asking for you, to set that stuff aside for the sake of listening to what the scriptures say. I'm not trying to argue with anybody or fight with anybody. But as a pastor, uh, my, my desire is that we have the whole counsel of God in our church. And that is biblical, as biblical as we can be, as accurate as we can understand it. So that everything of God can be activated in your life. If there's any part of what we believe that's not true, that part in our life is not activated. It's not happening. Okay? So that's my, my goal. And I'm asking for you, if you come from a different background, um, to, to really seek God as we talk about this, this week and next week and maybe in the future too, a little bit more. What is God really saying here? Um, so I am going to... Um, I'm going to bring some strong statements, okay? And some of you may, may have questions about this, and I would love to dialogue with you if you need some personal time about some of the stuff because you were made to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You were. It's, it's all over Scripture. Okay, so one of the general areas of doctrine that I want to specifically debunk or disagree with is this idea of cessationism. Okay, so sensationism means, it comes from the word to cease. And cessationism is a general idea that the 
Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, particularly signs, wonders, and miracles, speaking in tongues, um, prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, these types of things, these types of activities of God, while they were clearly in the early church, are no longer in existent existence in today's age. Okay, that's what cessationism in general uh, would, would, would say. And, uh, and I want to share with you why they would say that and what I believe and what I believe the Scriptures are saying. Okay, is that right? So the first one is my first statement of three, is the infilling of the Holy Spirit is separate from and in addition to salvation. It doesn't just automatically happen. We see Peter clearly telling the crowd, this is what you need to do. Repent. Okay? Get baptized. So people actually got into the river and got baptized. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the prerequisite to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, is to repent. Not necessarily to be baptized, because we see the... Holy Spirit being poured out on a guy named Cornelius in the Scriptures who wasn't baptized yet, but he got baptized right after that experience. So you don't have to like, like, okay, repent, be baptized, be filled. It's not like that kind of a thing. It's just all for you. It's all for you. But you can't be filled with the Spirit of God until He is Lord of your life, until the sin is removed, because you are a temple. God can't fill a temple of sin. One of the greatest confirmations that your sins are forgiven is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit because God cannot fill a sin-filled vessel. It's, you're the temple. The Bible says you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. When your temple is cleansed because of the blood of Jesus Christ, God can come in and fill you. Isn't that awesome? All right, so I want to share with you that it is separate from and in addition to salvation. Jesus himself did no miracles, had no visible power until after he was baptized. And while he was being baptized, the Spirit came upon him, the Holy Spirit. He didn't preach a message. He didn't do a miracle. None of that his entire life until he was water baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that was Jesus' model to us. The disciples, the same thing. After they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that's when they started their ministry. That's when they began to do the same works that Jesus was doing. And the same thing goes for you and for me. So there's a verse in uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria, a different area north of, of Jerusalem, and they were kind of a... You know, a mix, mixture of Jewish and, and uh, Assyrian uh, breed. And they were looked down by the Jews because they weren't pure Jewish, okay? So these were kind of outsiders from their perspective. The gospel went to them. They accepted the word of God. And so when they heard about this, they sent Peter and John to them. And when Peter and John got to them, says when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So they had already received the message. They had already repented. They were already saved. But when Peter and John got there, they noticed they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. And so that was of primary importance to these apostles because they know that nothing happens apart from the power of God, the Spirit of God, the breath of God flowing in and through them to the world. Yeah, you're saved, but what about the people around you? How are you going to help reach the people around you without the presence and the power of God in you? You see? Jesus said, this power that you are going to be given with the Holy Spirit is so that you will be my witnesses. So you will have the power, the presence of God, the power of God in your life to be my witnesses to those around you. And so Peter and John, they knew that this was absolutely critical for them for what God wanted to do. So it says, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. So they placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's multiple uh, examples of the Scripture where all believers in the New Testament, the pattern was that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is normal. This is a normal Christian experience, conversion experience, to be forgiven of your sins and to be water baptized and to be filled with the power of God. 
Life transformation happening. This is normal Christian activity right here. Normal, expected Christian conversion. This was not the Baptist style or the Pentecostal style or the Methodist style or the Lutheran style. All those things came hundreds of years later. No denomination owns this truth. This is Christian truth. You with me? This is the Bible. This is the beginnings of our roots. No denomination claims this. This is truth. This is who we are. All those denominations came out of different schisms and different opinions about certain little details. And let's go our own way. We're going to create our own, our own belief system over here based on this one thing. But this is the beginnings of all of our experiences. Now, Luke chapter 11, Jesus is talking. And you remember that verse? He says, uh, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who seeks will find, everyone who asks will receive, everyone who knocks, the door will be open for you. And then a couple verses later, he's talking about what you should be asking for, what you should be seeking, what door you should be knocking on. In verse 13, Jesus says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And seek and knock. It is not salvation. It is separate from salvation. But it is a desire in us to want all that God has for us. It's a surrendering to him that we might be filled with him. And so Jesus ask, seek, knock for the Holy Spirit. Do you desire him? Do you want him? Uh, there seems to be a criteria of us wanting God. There's, the, the criteria seems to be like that you are wanting God to fill you. Wanting God, you're, you're seeking Him. You're ready to receive, right? So this is all about receiving the gift, receiving the gift that God has for us, the power that He has for us, His presence that He has for us. And so there, there is a part on our side of receiving and welcoming and seeking and wanting God. It doesn't just happen. God doesn't just do this. It's something that you desire. Say, Lord, I want all that you have for me. I seek you. I want you. Fill me. All right? You see what I'm saying? And so, man, my desire is that you will hunger for God. You will seek for him. You'll desire him. And Jesus, if, you're, if you as a father, as a mother, you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father want to give you his spirit, to bless you that you might be filled with him and you might have all that you need to live this new life God's called you to live. So there's no hesitation on God's side. It's not something you have to earn. You just want. You receive. You open your heart for God, okay? That's what Jesus is saying. Now, the second one that I want to make is this. The spirit-filled life is for today, not just for those in the New Testament times. This is in direct opposition to a cessationist view. The spirit-filled life, signs, wonders, miracles, prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of faith, gifts of healings, tongues, interpretation of tongues, these gifts of the Holy Spirit are present today. And they were not just for a very special small window of history. They are for us today. Can I just get a witness from someone in the room who has been healed by God? Anybody in this room been healed by God of something? Look around. These are testimonies. These are people. They are, each one of you would be willing to come up here, I'm sure, and say, God healed me of that. What did God heal of you uh, of? Dying. Of dying. Praise the Lord. I was, I was uh, allergic to death, too. Yeah, that's, don't like it. Anybody else who had a hand up, what were you healed from? Yep, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Rebecca? And God brought you back. She died on the table in surgery, and God said, not, not today. Not done with you yet. 
A broken heart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. Healed bones. Praise the Lord. Now, um, how many of you had the gift or have experienced speaking in tongues? So it's today. All right. How many of you had a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge for somebody that you really felt this was from God? I just need, you know, and it was a blessing to them, right? All right. Now, um, this is for today. Now, the reason why uh, this statement here is strong is because there's a couple of verses in the Bible that typically are used to declare that these gifts are, are, are no longer for today, okay? Uh, so I'm going to read one of them. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 to 12. It says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. So here's the phrase, when completeness comes, okay? A cessationist takes that phrase and they're interpreting it as when the New Testament scriptures were finalized and canonized, then these gifts disappeared. Because all we need now is the scriptures. This happened in the late first century, so now since then... No more of the prophecies or the gifts. They've all ceased because now completeness has come. We have God's word. We don't need any of that other stuff anymore. And all of those gifts and all that stuff was to confirm the gospel message until the scriptures were settled and canonized. Therefore, sola scriptura. Latin for only scripture. Have you ever heard of that phrase? Sola scriptura. Right? Only scripture. What, what we're saying when, when someone says... Only Scripture that are saying no more gifts. That's what they're saying. Only the Word of God. Now, I'll tell you what. I love the Word of God. Okay? I'm not, I, I believe this is awesome. This is the Word of God. This is the breath of God. But we also have the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. Okay? So um, this is incorrectly uh, interpreted to mean it was when the scriptures. As we read on, this is clearly talking about not the completion of the scriptures, but the coming, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's read on. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Who shall we see? Jesus, now I know a little bit, I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. When that day comes, the day of completion is when Jesus returns for the second time for you and for me. And we see him face to face. Okay? It's just a misunderstanding or misinterpretation of that scripture. All right, let me do another one. Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 2. In the past, notice this, in the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. In other words, he's not doing that anymore. Okay, this is the interpretation. At many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In other words, the scripture, the New Testament scripture. Okay, God has now spoken to us through the scripture. Therefore, in the past, he used the prophets. Now we don't do that anymore. Now we have the scripture of what Jesus has spoken to us through his word. You see the interpretation, okay? Whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So prophecy, according to this interpretation, has ended. It's no longer needed now that we have the complete and perfect scripture. However, just a real basic contextual understanding of this verse it was written during the time when there were still prophets and prophecy in the church. So the person who's writing this is writing it during the time when there are still prophets and prophecy in the church. So it's not saying that prophecy has ended. It's not saying that at all. And so we have Agabus, who is a prophet, Philip's four daughters, the Corinthian church talks about it, Thessalonian church, the leaders who prayed for Timothy, the Bible is filled with New Testament prophecies and prophets. So again, it's not a correct interpretation of this passage. Okay? So God still speaks to us. How many of you need God to speak to you sometimes, right? 
right? And uh, how many of you need some of those gifts that, that God has provided for us and for people around us? You know, um, just a side note here, and I'll finish this right now and pick it up later. But the greatest gift uh, uh, that is, that is uh, the greatest gift is the one that's needed at the time. And do you know that God can give you any gift to meet any need at any time? This is where we're going with this, okay? So let's say that you think, and this is wrong thinking, this is wrong thinking, and, and you would say to yourself, well, I have the gift of wisdom, and that's the gift that God has given me. Now, that's, that's wrong thinking, but we'll go with it for now. And so you run into someone in the grocery store, and they're limping, and they got, a, they got an inflamed knee, and you say, and you start talking to them, oh, my knee, it's hurt, it's inflamed, you know, I'm really having a struggle here. And you're like, man, that's too bad because all I have is the gift of wisdom. And you shouldn't try to skip down your steps next time. That's what God says to you. How stupid. Okay. All right. But that's all I got for you, right? The gift of wisdom. That doesn't do that person any good. They need the gift of healing. You know what I'm saying? And so we don't have any gifts. God has all the gifts. All right? You don't own any of them. You are a facilitator of the gifts. You don't have the gift of healing and someone else has this gift over there of prophecy. No, any gift that God needs to get to the person that you're in front of is the gift that God wants to get to them and you're his body and you're his vessel. And that's where we're going. A dynamic church filled with the presence of God, seeing needs and meeting them and finding hurts and healing them in the name of Jesus. Because John 14, 12, all right, the works that I've done, you will do also. And greater things than these, because I go to the Father, and you will be filled with my spirit. Isn't that awesome? All right, I'll pick up this message next week, and we'll keep building on this idea. But let's stand together, and let's just receive the breath of God before we go. Thank you, Lord. Let's just begin to pray. Let's just begin to lift our hands and just seek him. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you today. Thank you, Spirit of God, for your life, for your vitality. Lord, in this room, I don't know what all we're dealing with, but I know that it's a, it's a whole, it's, it can be very overwhelming just living through this life and dealing with stuff. But God, that you have called us to be filled with your Spirit, to give us the power that we need, not just for our situations, not just to stay strong in our faith, not just to experience your healing and your transformation, but Lord, to be an overflowing vessel of your power to this world. Lord, we need, as a church, we need to get beyond ourselves. Lord, we need a touch from heaven. We need a passion and a fire in us, Lord, that goes beyond our our eyes seeing the circumstances and focusing on the problems and just trying to make do. But God, you've called us to be an overflowing river of living water to this world. There are people around us literally dying. They're, they're, They're a balloon without air. They're suffocating in life. The troubles and the darkness has bound them. The chains are surrounding them. They're being choked. And we are filled with you, God. We need to be filled with you, Lord. We want to be an overflowing church. A church filled with the power of God, the hope of God, the message of God. Lord, we pray that this week we will take ground for the kingdom. We'll break chains of darkness and bondage. We'll, We'll break down lies over people's lives. The labels that have been given them that the devil's trying to stamp them with. But Lord, we believe you have a new stamp that covers those old stamps. It's a stamp that we belong to you, that we are saved, we are rescued, we're forgiven, we're victorious, we're seated on high. Oh God, we have a purpose and we have a passion. God, I just pray for this church that as we sing that song about the, the dead bones coming to life, God, that there will be no dead bones in this church, no dead bones in this family, but God, that you would breathe upon us. You'd breathe the ruach of God, the breath of God, the wind of God would catch our sails and fire us up, Lord. Give us clarity of life. Give us conviction of life. Let our days mean something. Let let the activities that we do have a higher purpose to them. Let us see heaven reaching through us into these arenas of influence and places that we go, whether it's in school or work or where we live, whether it's doing errands or whatnot, Lord, let, let us see differently. Let us see our lives differently. Let us see the breath of God flowing out of us into those around us. And Lord, we thank you that you have called us to partner with you. What a great adventure journey. 
oh God, here I am. As many great men and women of the past have, have prayed. We pray this prayer. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here we are, God. Use us. Fill us. Overflow in us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just want you to just personally just whisper to God. God, I want you. The Bible says to seek, to ask, to knock. If you want him, ask him. Ask of him right now. Let's just take a minute. Lord, I want you. Fill me, God. Fill me, Lord. I want your power. I want your presence. I want your perspective. I want your life flowing in and out of me. Thank you, Lord. Just personally, just cry out to God. Just begin to seek him. Thank you, Lord. God, as we're seeking you, Lord, just pour out your spirit upon us. Breathe fresh wind upon us. Pour your spirit out upon us, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I go all the way back to the beginning of this message. We're talking about repentance, making Jesus the Lord, surrendering ego, surrendering control, recognizing you need him. If you haven't declared him to be Lord of your life, today is your day. Now is your moment. I want you to pray this prayer with me. If that's you, lift your hand right now where you are. Say, Pastor, I'm praying this prayer right now to get right with God. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? You need to get right with God. You need to Jesus the Lord of your life. Just lift your hand up right now. You're going to pray a prayer with me. Okay, let's pray together with, with the, those who have raised their hands. Let's just do that. Jesus, say, Jesus, thank you for revealing yourself to me, for loving me, and for coming to rescue me. I surrender my life into your hands. I receive your forgiveness for my sins. And I decide to follow you as the Lord of my life. I'm all yours. Do a great new work in me. I surrender to you. Fill me with your spirit. So I have the power to live this new life in you, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We just welcome your presence and your love in this place. Lord, I pray that this week that we will get hungrier for you. And as all of those who are here this morning begin to seek you more, this, this week. Begin to study the scriptures. Begin to seek the filling of your spirit that they will have that hunger filled in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I just pray an overflowing, an increasing overflowing in our lives. And Lord, let this church here this week have an impact and the lives around us. Let us see what you see and let us do what you have been doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. May you overflow with the rivers of living water. May others Smell the aroma of God upon your life and hunger for Him and seek you out, but really seek the Lord out in you. And may you be attentive to the needs that God is showing you. And may you run, may you run to those needs with the confidence that God is in you and His Spirit will flow through you and meet everybody right at their point of need. In Jesus' name, the Lord bless you. Amen, amen, amen.